Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my guest, I'm going to start like I always do by first thanking you for listening in, for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to encourage you to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, I'd really appreciate it if you were to share the show with your friends, your family, other people you know, and yes, even people you don't know. Share the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide the team and I. It's definitely appreciated. Now, this is a pretty special episode, and uh, we're going to get on with the show. We look at business. We look at real estate, co-ventures, money, friendship. We all know that when things are good, life is great. There are few worries, no headaches, or just a few. But what happens when things go off course, when there's a divergence in the view of the world of agreements, of values, of priorities? As partners, the world changes. When friendship and business deteriorate to be unworkable? Well, in this episode, you can listen in as my old friend and real estate co-venture partner, Jared Hope, joins me to share some insights into our experience and of what happened for him and I. Today, literally after more than two years, a period of time where Jared and I did not speak and we only communicated through text and email. Now we're back, reflecting on why and how things went so wrong, healing old wounds, we hope, cautiously talking about future possibilities And in the spirit of helping others, which drives us both, we're sharing some of what we learned and the work we've had to do to begin to get back on track. Today, Jared's a very, very accomplished business owner and real estate investor. He's a speaker, he's a business coach, but he's actually far more than any of that because the work he's done to become the man he is today leaves little doubt that Jared is most proud of the journey he's been on and who he has worked and evolved to become as a husband, as a father, as a leader, and as a friend. I invite you to listen in today as Jared and I share and talk about what can happen when life happens, when business happens, when big egos clash, and when things go wrong. Enjoy the show. Jared Hope, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Patrick Francie, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, you're back. 
It's good now, to be back, man. We got like a lot of stuff oh, to cover today. We got a lot of stuff to cover. We uh, are sitting here out at the uh, poolside studio, and it's a, a very warm day, and I have what's left of a beer. Uh, you don't. Yeah. No, I, I got to be sober when I'm having this conversation. Yes, exactly. Me too. <laughs> but it doesn't stop me from having a beer. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover. Now, for... Some of the listeners, they're going to know you or they're going to know of you, but they're going to know you because you've been on the rain stage many times over the years. Uh, many are familiar with the fact that you were, my, you are my business partner. You're one of my business partners. You are my real estate partner. Um, we, what do we want to say? We went off the rails for a while as partners, lots to learn in that, lots to share in our lessons along that way. And we're back on the rails and have kind of grown, renewed, realigned. Yeah, I don't I, yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd say we went off the rails. I would just say we maybe took a detour. Hmm. And you know, and, and and I look back at you know our relationship and our partnership and the the rain relationship and my relationship with that. And I look back and everything had to happen the way it had to happen. Oh, of course. And so it was just a it was just a detour, you know. How we thought it was going to go is not how it went, and it circled back, and here we are. Yeah, right. You know, let's let's do a little bit of background. You know, so first and foremost, we were we started hanging out as business partners and real estate partners and actual business partners and other stuff that we did back in about two thousand five. Two thousand five. Uh, you actually worked with Stephanie when you were mm -hmm. much younger, and uh, back when you were playing hockey and and kind of on that journey into the NHL and out and back again and all the stuff that's behind that. We might get into that today. And um, so we've known each other for a long time. We are good friends and we were great business partners. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, we did a little bit of a detour. Uh, there were certainly times where you pissed me off and I don't think I don't think I ever pissed you Many off. Many times you pissed me off. No, never, never, ever have you. I know it never happened. So we, um, but we learned a lot in that, and and that's part of what because both of both you and I as coaches, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But both you and I as coaches, as educators, as real estate investors, as business owners, you know, part of each of our callings, we talk about being a contribution to others, the growth of others. That's mm -hmm. part of what drives us both. So this is also us being really out there in terms of telling the truth about what happens in joint venture partnerships and relationships and what can happen and how do you rise above that, how we rose above that, if yeah. you will. And, uh, cause it's not easy. It's like, not like the truth easy. is, you know, like when we got into our first partnership back in 2005, I, man, I never would have thought it would have went the way it did. Nope. And no one ever sat there and said, here's the watch out for this and structure it this way. And I just assumed that we were going to be married forever. Yeah. And I just assumed that it was just going to be roses and rainbows and lollipops, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and when we reunited, it's like, you know, it just didn't work out like that. It didn't. Yeah. And, but here we are today. Um, we want to talk real estate. We want to talk about the lessons that we learned as partners, but we also want to talk about what you've been up to the past couple of years and the journey that you've been on, because I think it's important to understand that. You know, first and foremost, you're incredibly accomplished in real estate. You've grown a, a significant portfolio. You've grown a significant property management company. You've grown a significant coaching program that you're hitting it out of the park. And so you've done a lot. You're renovating, you're flipping, you're doing like everything that, well, I shouldn't say everything that 
you're doing a lot of things that people dream of doing in the world of real estate mm. and you've done it, you're doing it. You're, you know, well, and so we, we, we got to talk about that. So that's all to, I guess that's all a precursor into the conversation. We've got what, lots of ground to cover. So we're here for three hours. <laughs> yeah. And no, we're not. we have a pizza coming. <laughs> no, it's a toy gun. <laughs> so if you hear that munching in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> we'll just pop another one. Yeah. Okay. So we want to, we don't want to go too far off and digress, but Anyways, that's a little bit of the context for the meeting or for the, the for this particular podcast and this interview. Let's just kick it off and talk about you and I bought a lot of real estate in over the years, uh, primarily or almost exclusively in Grand Prairie at the time because Grand Prairie, Alberta was really uh, going hard. We bought that portfolio. Uh, we then got into managing it ourselves because of the size of the portfolio. It made sense to do at the time. And we had the challenges along the way. Now... Where do we want to enter the conversation? Because we can pick it up from there. We learned a lot from that. You learned a lot from that. Mm. We started the property management business out of that. You then took it to the next level. Mm. I exited that business. You then took it to the next level. Well, let's let's set the context just a little bit. So I, I own 152 rental properties. I've you know bought and sold uh, over 400. I've renovated over 130. Like I, I, I have done a lot. And when we started off on our real estate journey, I think we, we partnered up and I had about 13 by the time I entered, we entered each other's space. Mm -hmm. And from you, we brought in partners and, you know, we, we just grew yeah. and we were, we were specializing in Grand Prairie. And it got to the point where we had to combine like my stuff and your stuff, we had about 100. And that was around 2008. Mm -hmm. And 2008 come, global recession, we hit this massive, massive like downturn and the economy and the rents drop and everything starts changing to the point where we were forced, literally forced to bring stuff in-house. That's how the property management company was created. And, you know, it was kind of everything, everything in, in my world of real estate was happened out of, like I was forced to do it. It was based out of survival. And so that's, you know, so that's kind of the context of how we got into the property management and how we built our portfolio and the lesson, our first lessons came in 2008, which really started to stress and test our joint venture partnerships, not you and I, but with our partners, because mm -hmm. there's lots of lessons that we taught ourselves in 2008, yeah. 9, 10, right? Yeah. We learned a lot along that way. Now, I've been part of the RAIN community since 2001. I think you came in in what? 2003. 2003. So, you know, the, the driving force behind all that we did was, you know, the education, the learning, the networking, all of the work that we did to grow the portfolio and learn about it. Um, we started, uh, I started working on the, with the RAIN team back in late 2007. I think it was actually January uh -huh. 2008 where that came on. Uh, you started coming on stage in terms of educating 2010 2010 and you yeah. started and you started cutting your teeth in terms of education speaking bringing a lot to the room bringing your experience to the room and speaking from stage and sharing your experience uh, along the way with that so we now go ahead we're 2019 uh, you you and I split as partners indirectly we didn't we we maintained our portfolio together but we split, you went on a little bit of a, a, a path. You took a different path. We took a, the detour, as you say, you, you took a fork in the road. You went one direction. I went the other direction or actually stayed on my direction. You went a different direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I detoured. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to it. It's you that took the detour. Yeah. And um, yeah. anyway, so 
Tell me about a little bit about your journey, Jared, because, you know, as an individual, you, you've always been very driven. You've been very competitive. You are always goal oriented. And in a lot of your portfolio, I think I'm not speaking out of school. A lot of your the portfolio that you grew was that we grew was actually very ego driven. It was driven right. from a place of competition and I want to have the most and I want to be All the right. biggest and I want to be the greatest. And so tell me a little bit about your perspective of that, you know, back in those days versus where you are today. Oh, this goes, man, like this, this goes back to being a kid. You know, as a kid, I always was taught, I taught myself in order to get noticed, I had to be the best. And I had to be the best at hockey, I had to be the best at track, I had to be the best at sport, I had to be the best at everything. Unfortunately, I wasn't the best at school. So I had to be the best at, at the game. And, and when I got into real estate, the game was, you know, the game was to win in real estate. And when I started out, I wanted a hundred properties. That was my target. And I don't know why a hundred. I have, I don't know. It was just pure ego. And when I started out, you know, three, four, five, and next thing you know, it's like thirteen and thirty. And in one year, I bought sixty-four properties. In 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 uh, my third year of investing, my first year I bought three, my second year I bought eight, and my third year I bought sixty-four. It's just out of this out of this world. But it was all ego driven. And, you know, so over the years, what I've come to realize is, you know, ego is your enemy if you can't con contain it. Mm -hmm. And I still have ego and I'll always have ego. Probably. I don't, I don't, I don't see it ever leaving, but now I'm very aware of my ego and I don't let the ego dictate and drive my decisions. Mm. And because if, if I did, I'd still be, I'd be chasing 300, 400 doors. And now it's more of a, you know, it's like this. So in the last two years, when I when I left Rain in 2017, I grew up, and I had to leave. I, I I it got to the point where my ego was getting, you know, I was almost bigger than the stage. That's what it felt like to me, and I felt like there's more out there. And I felt like if I stayed here, I wasn't serving any any purpose for myself. It was just it was just for you and for Rain, and it was just out, it was just out, it just didn't work for me anymore. So when I left, I just I grew up, you know, and I had to realize that what you brought to the table in our partnership, what, what rain was bringing to, cause I took it all for granted. And that was my ego where, so in the last two years I've, you know, I've gone off and I've done, I've created my business. I've rebranded my business and I have staff now I have 19 full-time staff and I have, so essentially I have 19 kids. And so the level of responsibility that shows up from that is it's massive that I never experienced before because I was always you know, I was on your stage and I was on the, the rain stuff and I was always, I never really had my own responsibilities, if, if, if that makes any sense. So the split of the partnership, first of all, our partnership never split because we still had our real estate. We still had that structure in place that never, that never swayed. We had our joint venture agreement. We had our structure. We, everything was still there. What, what split was our friendship, our relationship, our relationship sure. split. Yeah. And, but, you know, it, it, I just had to grow up and you had to grow up a little bit to some degree sure. uh, with, with the way it all came about, right? Because we, we started building this real estate portfolio and eventually that's all we knew was this real estate portfolio. Then it's like, oh, hey, Oprah, come, come do a presentation at Rain. And I was such an in the trenches guy that I was able to go up there and share all this stuff and it was good stuff. And, but it, once again, it was just all, it's just all ego-based, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I think that you're really clear on now, and in, and I've got the kind of the, I can play the age card here. You know, I've just been on the earth a little bit longer than you have in terms of understanding, you know, what drives us as, as individuals, as people, as, as business owners. And, you know, we've often had conversations about 
it's not so much of what you do or it's as much about who you are as what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and who are you being while you're doing what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really, we, I'm not even talking about mindset stuff. I'm really talking about character and identity and a context for who you are in your life. You know, it used to be all about you. Mm-hmm. And what I've really started to see show up and, and the journey that I know you and your wife, Krista, has been on is that it's really about your contribution to others. It really truly is that you now see that, you get to take what you've learned, you get to share that, but that's not about you. It's actually, mm-hmm. it fulfills you and, and you you get the significance and you get the contribution and you get all the things, but you get to make it about others. Now, I don't, I don't want to put words in yep. your mouth, but where where have you come on that journey? What's some of the realizations you had? And I know you've had many, both you and Krista. Yeah, well, lots. Like we, Krista and I have, like, man, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on our relationship and it's it's been the best thing that's ever happened and going through some of the tough times that we have gone through as a couple Krista and I which has led to the work we've done which has impacted my kids lives and it's essentially changed the flight path of their lives and you know my calling my purpose you know calling whatever mm-hmm. however however you want to word it it used to be helping people have limitless lives through real estate investing now that's all ego like that statement is ego because it's saying the only way you're going to have a limitless life is through real estate and hey follow me because I'm the best and I'll, I can help you do it that was that was literally my mentality is I'm going to I'm going to make you stinking rich by real estate and I'm going to show you how to do it and what I've come to realize over the years is it's not about real estate investing. It's just about having a limitless life, period. You know, I've done a lot of work on masculine energy and feminine energy. And feminine energy is not female and masculine is not male. I have feminine energy. You have masculine energy and feminine. I have masculine. We all have it. We all carry it. But there's toxic masculine and then there's masculine. There's toxic feminine and there's feminine. And I spent most of my life living in a toxic masculine environment. That is manipulation. That is, you know, it's, it's a cutthroat. It's ego. It's I'm I'm. It's all about me. It's all about me. That's toxic. And what some I, just to interrupt this. So, but some would look at that and go, you know, no, that's the warrior in me. Like yeah, no, do, totally. like you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So ma- masculine energy. I'm my, what I've come to realize. I have a coach now. His name is John Wyland out of L.A. And John is uh, David Dida. A lot of stuff with David Dida as well. And the masculine energy is, we are warriors, okay? Like, the masculine energy is a warrior. The feminine energy is not the warrior. And everyone has the warrior in them, feminine and male and female. And the warriors, I got to go kill, I got to go kill, I got to go kill. That's fine, uh, as long as you have the container to hold it in the space. And uh, the masculine energy is the owner of time and space. What I was not good at is creating the container of the time and space, I was letting everyone else dictate my time and my energy and what I was supposed to be doing. And then I was just had to go out there and kill everything in order to be successful in order for me to get noticed. When the truth was, I wasn't managing my time and space properly and effectively to allow my wife or my feminine, my wife and my family structure to feel supported. So as I'm built, this is one of the challenges I had in 2017 before I left is because I was out on all these events and for rain and I, I created no structure for my family on what I was doing. So they're always wondering, Hey, what's going on? Where's this? Where's this? This goes back to our relationship. So there was no container. I created no container. You created no container on what you were doing or what I was doing. We were just doing mm-hmm. in 2005 when I bought 64 properties, I had no container or structure, if you want to call it, use the word structure as the form of container, I had no container or structure for my wife to feel supported on the journey that I was going on. So 
one of the challenges in our partnership, my wife and I, was communication. So we both can't be buying real estate. It's impossible. We both can't be doing books. It's impossible. We both can't be paying bills. It's impossible. But there was no container and structure on who was doing what. Mm-hmm. That's my job as the masculine. I'm not saying my wife can't do it, but that's my job to show up in the masculine saying, hey, here's how we're doing it. Because no one was taking the lead. Nobody was leading the charge. No one was leading. Yeah, yeah. So for me to put the, what I've come to realize is for me to put the pressure on my wife to be the masculine, that takes her out of what she wants to be. She wants to be the feminine. I'm not saying she wants to be home cooking and cleaning. That's not it. But she wants to be the feminine. She wants to be led. And I was doing a very poor job at that. So for the last two years, I spent a lot of time and a lot of money uh, fixing and I don't want to say fixing. But you weren't broken. You're, yeah, you're I was just, just honing it. I was, just I was dialing it in. Sure. I was dialing yeah. it in. Yeah. I was dialing cool. in this energy of of masculine and understanding my feminine energy. Because I was taught as a kid, nothing against my parents. My parents did a great job. But I was taught as a kid that feminine energy rules the roost. And that's from my dad being feminine, trying to get his way. My mom you know, being feminine and toxic feminine and having you know hissy fits. Not that she did, but... But that's how, you know, it was just a different world back then. And so that's what I was at work at. I've been at work for the last two years, fixing myself, <laughs> making me just make hone in my skill, making me a better person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making me a better husband, making me a better father. So we're here today and we're, we're talking about what we've learned or you, what you've learned on that journey. And all the time, you've also been running a world called Tilt mm-hmm. and Tilt Properties and Tilt Property Group. Yep. And you've continued to build your portfolio, you've continued to build your business. You're doing a number of fix and flips every year. You're buying, you're selling, you're renovating. You've put some really cool programs together in terms of your renovations. So in in terms of your own personal development, your own professional development, your development with your relationship, all the time in parallel to all that, as, as part of it, you're creating a context for your life called, I'm going to be building my business and having an amazing business, but an amazing life. Mm-hmm. This goes back to what part of your purpose is, right? So, so my business is a direct re- reflection of my life. Sure. If my business is a direct reflection of who, how I'm showing up in it. And if I'm showing up as a toxic masculine or a toxic feminine, whatever state I'm in at that moment in time, my business is being impacted by it. So that is losing clients. That's a you know broken partnership or friendship. That is bad deals. That is blah, 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 blah. And... You know, so the building of my business, Tilt Property Group, which we rebranded in 2017, you know, we had to sit back and come up with core values of who we are as people, which defined who we are as a company. And our values, my wife and I, we sat down with our marketing company out of Vancouver, Wild Branding, and we sat down with Dan and his team, and we came up with Loft, Loyalty, Ownership, Freedom, and Truth. Loft, that's our, that's our core values of who we are as people. And it's very hard to live in values, you know, because especially in my whole my whole entire life, I always had them, but I didn't define them. I never knew what they were. I always knew that lying was bad, but I'd always tell little white lies. I always knew that, you know, freedom was uh, possible, but I always had a small, I always had a low ceiling. I never thought I'd actually achieve it to the point where even when I had it, I never knew I had it. So the branding of the company was very crucial and very influenced by who we were and who we wanted to be seen as in the world. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, I, I've always referred to it or I, I shouldn't say always, but for many years in the work that I've done, because you knew Michael Reynolds as well. Mm-hmm. 
And and of course, I you he know, pocket dialed me the other day. Michael yeah. Reynolds, did? yeah. So I was no driving. Kidding. Yeah, I haven't talked to Mike in yeah. years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we we did work with them yeah. and so on and so on. Anyways, I was driving down the road and my phone rings. I'm like Michael Reynolds, and I didn't have my Bluetooth set up, so I, obviously I don't text and drive or anything no, like that. Of course Nobody you don't. does that. Yeah. So I looked at my phone. I didn't answer it, but he uh, he must have pocket dialed me because he didn't leave a voicemail. Well, it's interesting. So I'm Michael, more... if you're listening to this, make sure you call him back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> call him back. So you know, Michael was very very influential, very wise guy and a wise man, and and uh, one of the many tools that he gave me was having a context for your life. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the, what is your context for your life? Like, who are you? How are you defining? Who are you in the context of your life? Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is, are you willing to be misunderstood in the context of your life? Because as soon as you divide it or define it, it's going to get tested. Mm-hmm. As soon as you step into and say, this is who I am in the context of my life. This is who I am as a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a business guy, whatever, whatever, you know, in those, in those areas of your life, you, when you start to define it, it gets tested because mm, as soon totally. as it doesn't work for somebody else, they make you wrong for it. It's a, totally. it's a really cool way to look at your life. Well, and to so define you did, your you did work with a lot of work with Michael. I did. Yeah. Like you were there years. You did a group yeah, with him. Yeah. And yeah all you did stuff. a whole. Yep. So I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you know this answer. Is this so a test? Yeah. It's going to be a test question <laughs> okay. because I didn't realize this until about a year ago, what I was missing in my life that you had with Michael. And I don't know how to ask this question, but so with Michael, you had a certain connection with certain people mm-hmm. that were what I've come to realize that I didn't have in my life. Do you know what that connection was with those people? Think about the group. Who are, who is in that group? Well, yeah, I mean, there was there was fifteen men in that group. Men, yeah, men. Yeah, dudes need dudes. They do. Women need women. Women need women. Yeah, you know. So as my wife, one of the challenges that my wife and I had in our relationship was we were dependent on each other. I was her person. Mm-hmm. She was my person. So anytime we had a problem, I would come and I'd vent to her, but she doesn't, we solve problems differently. And I, she comes to me with a problem. I just boom, 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 do this, do this, do this, and away we go. And she's like, no, I want to be heard. It's not about the nail, right? Yeah, like the yeah. video. Yeah, so yeah, right? So if you, if you haven't seen the video I don't remember the name of it, but it's, it's not about the nail. It's just type in. Nail. It's just not about the nail. Google and watch the video. It's, it's so hilarious. funny. It's, it's so, so great. Funny. It's so true. So, but one thing that I realized that I never had in my business career, really, once I got out of hockey, I didn't have it. Where one thing that I think made you super successful, and I don't know this, this is just my take of what I've entered into in the last year in the men's world, men's relationship world, was at a very, at the, at the early start of your career, you had a men's group. And all those men were successful in some realm, whether sure. they not yep. necessarily successful Different. in business, yeah, yeah. but just successful in life. Well, they're doing the work. Totally. Yeah. Where so if you had a problem with something, you had a place to go. Yeah. I never had that place. And looking back now, you know, man, I was going out for beers with buddies and we were getting having many beers and all of a sudden we're venting about problems and it's just like we're solving it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when looking back, if you had a solid men's group. And it's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. No, dude, that's stupid. Don't do that. Do this, 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 this. And, you know, it's just a higher level of accountability. We can go off on different tangents around that. But, you know, back in that those in that time, it actually created the relationship that I have with my wife, Stephanie, was got so absolutely powerfully strong mm-hmm. because of how I evolved as a man in the relationship because I actually had a context for defining myself in that relationship. You know, the men that I was surrounded with, you know, the, the one great thing about that is even this many years later, and I haven't crossed paths with a number of those guys, some of them are still good friends. 
And I don't even mean good friends like we hang around together, but I can pick up You're a just phone connected. tomorrow totally. and I could enter a conversation as if we had never yeah. parted, even totally. though a couple of those guys I probably haven't seen for five or six, seven years. And uh, so that's always an interesting part, uh, an interesting place for, for a guy to hang out. But that's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you actually do that level of work, and I'm really blessed. You know, the one thing that Rain gives me is, is a lot of, of really, what am I going to call it? I don't want to call it close friendships, but really close acquaintances. Like people I've gotten to know over the years where I actually see and have great conversations with members, RAIN members across the country. And I've gotten to know them really quite well. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, I go, wow, there's, there's a lot of really evolved people mm-hmm. in, 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 in the community. So I'm blessed to be able to have that connection with, uh, with a number of people. But, but that's a lesson that you, you were taught totally. by Michael years yep. ago. Years. And you know I'm 41, and yep. I didn't learn that until I was 40. And I didn't realize how important friendships were. Not mm. like there's different types of friendships. Like I'm sure. not talking friendships I go get drunk with. Mm. You know, I'm talking about true men, like true friend, like connections mm-hmm. where you know they're like-minded people. And you know that, and that's one of the that's the community of rain. You know, like what you said. There's, you know, you're not going to like everybody. You're not going along with everybody, but you're going to make connections in that group that are going to support you on the journey that you're going down. Mm-hmm. And a message that I want to come get across to people is it's very important that dudes have dudes mm-hmm. and women have women yeah. and that's their people. That is your community of support. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie and I used to joke at, at that time. Like, I mean, I did that work literally 30 years ago. Mm. You know, it's hard to believe, but yeah. that's like, I that can't believe you're 70. Long- that's <laughs> so it was, it was that, but back in that, at that time we got it was unheard of, but it was unheard of back in the time. <laughs> it was really, really. And, and Stephanie really led the charge in that way. But the, 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 we used to joke and I, and we'd get into, you know, the spats that husbands and wives get into. And I'd actually learn to say to her, Stephanie, maybe you should phone some of your women. Mm, yeah. Right. Totally. And because it was, this was going nowhere. I knew that I was in the right space for her to be speaking into and I couldn't hold space for her. And I went, yeah, that was, that became kind of the thing that I could do. And I, and I was saying it in a way that was not sarcastic or it was just the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe why don't you phone some of your women and have this conversation because we can't have it. Mm-hmm. And then it got to be, that's what it was. I mean, this many years later, we just, that's just what happens. Like we don't even. So yeah, that's my life too now, but yeah. you go back to 2017 when, you know, our, our relationship, our friendship took a pause. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not there. Mm-hmm. I could not call you up and say, dude, here's what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you help me through this? Yeah. Uh, no, I was taught to fight. Yeah. I was taught to win. Yeah. I was taught to go kill, slay the dragon. Yeah. And for me to come and express to you some of the concerns and frustrations and challenges that I'm having, not a chance, man. It's Good not man. a weakness. That would be weakness, vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, and I didn't know how to be vulnerable. Yeah, that would be showing your weak side, which totally. would make you, yeah, that would be like dangerous. It it unheard of. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Because something bad's going to happen if I do that. Yeah, but isn't that you interesting? Then in that in that you know, then that maybe that would be interesting to know is that given how well you know me and who I am in that space, ah, you know, is it interesting? Is that you didn't see that, 
But that's probably that being a dick to too. Uh, yeah, but I was probably being a dick too, right? Totally. Well, you were stuck in your stuff. Yeah, you know, like going rain, through my own totally. shit. Totally. Rain's going through their stuff. You're you're trying to evolve it and grow it, and you're you know you're doing your stuff and yeah. And and I have other influences too, no, right? Yeah. No, Huge you have your partnership. Yep. You have staff. You yeah, have yeah. Stephanie. Not that Stephanie was Stephanie's great, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have other <laughs> She's things. A rock. Yeah. You have other things going on. Yeah. So this is where the disconnect starts happening in our in our yeah. not our business but our relationship. Yeah. Where you have all this stuff going on, and you and I were, you know, in 2015, if I would have got remarried, you would have been my best man. That's mm-hmm. like, that's how good of a friend you were to me. And in 2017, it got to the point where you had other stuff going on. I was getting busy with my stuff that the conversation started changing. And, but I was going into ego, and I didn't know that, I had no idea. Because you know whatever I'm stuck in that that time and I'm stuck in the mud, but I'm sliding into my ego and we start drifting apart. You're making up some version of a story on what's happening because you're busy with your stuff. I'm making up a version of a story which none of it's true. None of it, no story in the world is true. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. So that's that's kind of how it happens. And next thing you know, it's like, dude, I'm done. So for listeners, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if you're getting out anything out of this podcast because we always are coming from a place of, you know, we're willing to have the conversation and, and really it's to, we hope people get something out of this and learn something from it. That's always my driving factors behind all these conversations that I have. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a we both have uh, recently read the book Extreme Ownership mm-hmm. where, you know, there's no blame, there's no complaint. You own 100% of all of it. So as we're sitting here talking and having this conversation, you know, I have to look back and go, you know, where am I responsible? Like, I don't have any blame for you. Like, I, I literally don't have any blame of you in the breakdown of our friendship and in the relationship of even of our business in reflection, because that's that's the work that I've done. And the realization is that where did I not step up and go stop, mm-hmm. you know, because it was really it was like the clash of the Titans, like, you know, in some regards, like. You got your back up. I get my back up. It's like fuck you, fuck you. Okay, well, fuck you, fuck you. And yeah. then it's like next thing you know, we're 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 gone, yeah. right? And so it's it's some version of that. So you know, and so we get we get past it. We we put our the value of our relationship ahead of all of that, and we grow as men. We grow as husbands. We grow as business people, and I think probably we grow as partners and friends again mm-hmm. because our commitment really is to the relationship ultimately. So we, we go on the detour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Sure. We'll call it a detour. No, we did. No, no, totally, man. Like yeah. it, we didn't come off the rails. And we, so you go, you, you take a fork in the road. I keep going straight. you kind of, you veer off and, and then circle back. Mm-hmm. That's really what yeah. it was. Well, I, it, listen, man, I, it took me two years to get to the point that I could talk to you. Yeah. Because I was so stuck in my shit. Yeah. And I had to work on it. Yeah. Like I had to work on, you know, part of the problem is though I had you on a pedestal. You know, I had you on this pedestal that you were this father figure and you were never going to hurt me and you were always going to take care of me. And I was like, I was your kid. And just maybe that's how we started out our relationship. And because that's kind of your presence, right? You're this masculine dude. And that's what I was looking for. And I didn't know that. Like I didn't know that at sure. all at the time. But looking back on it, I can absolutely sit there and say, I had you on a pedestal. And the only way to, to leave was I had to knock you off and I had to leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hence the detour. 
so the psychology of that is make me wrong, and then 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 you get to go right. Yeah, well, that, that's because that made sense. Sure, that's because totally it's it. not. It can't be me. Yeah, you know, 100%. like it, you know what I mean. Like I'm totally. not wrong. Yeah. and you know, so you talk about you know what are the listeners getting out of this? Well, th- there's lots of good messages in here, and it's it's from structure. Our JV agreement was solid. You know, so our real estate was protected. So we had some good stuff in place. And we did. And actually, because of our own success in business and, and our own uh, responsibility and in, in our own financial responsibility, we had our cash calls. We were able to oh. cover it. We didn't, you know, there wasn't a whole bunch of blame games. And ultimately, we saw through some rough spots and, and we continued to kind of look at the business and say, okay, what do we need to do to improve it, grow it, do all because the things we that we need to do? we still had integrity. Yeah. Like as much as we were out of alignment, we still had integrity within our business and we still had the same, we still had the same core values of who we were when we got into the business. I think we still had the same core values throughout the whole journey of our real, real estate partnership. Just because we veered off, it, man, it doesn't mean anything. Our business still succeeded. It still is successful. It's still growing. It's still doing its thing. We've had cash calls. It sucked. Grand Prairie sucked. The 2016 recession sucked. It is what it is. I can't change it. We can't. We can't stop it. We just got to get through it. We do, which we have. So, okay. So that's great. So we learned a lot along that, and 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 this is really, you know, in all of it, you know, if we're if we're sharing some, I guess, wisdom along the way, some lessons learned, is you know, first and foremost, is that neither of us stopped doing the work. Mm-hmm. We really were committed to doing the work on ourselves. You know what's interesting is how. You know, so it's been two years and really our communication has been text or email. And so we get back together about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, something like that. What's interesting to me is how we're actually in the same place. You know, like, so we've, we've split up, we have our thing, we do our thing. You do work, I do work. We circle back and there's so many things that are in alignment still. And if anything, the alignment's even stronger than yeah. ever before. Yeah. And, you know, because I've changed, you've changed, we've evolved, we've done our thing. And, but that's the power of still doing the work. That's really the commitment to doing the work, defining who we are. And I think that's, that's the work that people forget. I don't want to say that. That's a generalization. But my, as I've worked and coached and done all the things that I've done over the years, is that you start to realize that there are those individuals who are always taking responsibility for their life and, and understanding that their life's a reflection of who they're being. Mm-hmm. It isn't outside of them. And that is probably one of the, most difficult concepts for people to wrap their mind around. They want to make it about their, their, you know, their, their upbringing. They want to make it about Mm -hmm. their boss. They want to make it about their career, their wife, their significant other, whatever that might look, their husband, whatever that might be circumstances. And without just looking at it and saying, I got to own that my life is a reflection of who I'm being. So what have I got to change? I agree with you 100% because I know what you're talking about. I've done so much coaching. I've, you know, my coaching program and what I've come to realize in my, from my coaching program is most people think that it's normal. They just think that it's, that's just the way it is. They don't know different. They don't know any different. And I'm going to give you an example. I have a couple that we uh, is in our coaching program, and we do a lot of stuff we do with couples. I love couples because I've built my business with my wife, and my wife is my best partner. Period. And without her, we wouldn't have been able to do it. That's the truth. So when we work with couples, and there's this one particular couple that we're working with, and so I'm like, guys, you got to do some work with Chris. So they're like, no, we're good. I'm like, I get you're good. I get that's that because that's what you know. But there's something called great. There's a different level. 
do a couple personal coaching calls with Krista. They come back to me, they do about three or four calls with Krista every month they do these calls. They come back and they're like, I cannot believe how great our relationship is now. Mm. And they just got a little taste of it. Right. Because they're, they, everyone normalizes things so fast and they're just normal, it's just normal. I'm, well, that's just the way it is. But there's another level that people, what I've come to realize is a lot of people don't know how to get to it. And they think by reading a book, it's gonna do that. Well, unfortunately, reading a book doesn't give it any context to the words on the book. And you read the words however you've been trained over the, your years. You hear them through a filter. Absolutely, yeah. so there's your filter, you decipher it, and that's, you take away something different than maybe someone else might. Yeah. And that's where coaching comes in, whether it's life coaching or family coaching, um, you know, therapist, whatever it is. How right? to coaching. Absolutely. I mean, coaching, period. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You have your coaching program. Stephanie and I have been approached so many times. I mean, Stephanie does quite a lot of coaching and has over the years. I mean, we were actually talking about that earlier. Is, you know, she's on her journey to the third Olympics as a, as a mental performance coach, as an athletic performance coach. And her game is the mental game. And, you know, the one thing that's been interesting about all the work that Stephanie's done over the years is that she's really been the rock. I've been the guy that's kind of strayed off a path and she's just like this anchor that puts up with me. I don't know sometimes how, but then she sucks me back and goes, okay, hold on here. And she's, you know, while you bump up the, against the wall of Stephanie, it's like, you don't want to do that. No, you don't want to do that. (laughs) She's pretty clear. So the point is, is that so when you learn about, what have you learned in, in, in your coaching program? Here's why I don't, I, I do coaching, but it's not, you know, it's not forefront for me. And I, I'm, I don't do a program per se. I do lots of coaching with RAIN members and I do mm. some stuff in that regard. Do you find that people are coachable? My frustration lives oh, in that people God. want coaching and then, frick, I, so Stephanie has a thing, right? Like where if you want Stephanie to coach you, like it's hard to yeah. even get a hold of her. So you gotta get you gotta want it, yeah. Because that's part of her filter is to go. Totally. People want coaching, but they're freaking not coachable. Yeah, it's just bullshit. So I agree with that a hundred percent. And very few people are actually coachable. I no, you're say an that. athlete. You're a former yeah. athlete. Yeah. And and arguably you're still you're still an athlete. You, but you're very coachable. Mm-hmm. I'm really coachable. And that's that's one of the things that we've developed and we've learned how to be coachable because you. To be coachable, you got to so park your ego, mm. you know, and, and um, it's interesting is that I'm going to give you this, this is totally off track, but one of the biggest, most impactful moments I had, because I was not always coachable, but there was a time in my life where I wasn't coachable because I actually, whatever story I had felt that I should know how to do it. Yeah. And, oh, totally got it. So like. <laughs> I've never had that feeling. Yeah. No, you, <laughs> yeah. So you go, how, like. Now this, you know, this many years later, you go, how stupid is that? Yeah. Like, like how, what is the conversation you're having in your head that would actually say that, you know, you hire a coach because you don't know how to totally. do shit. And then they tell you what to do and you actually push back yeah. or you don't do it. And then you bitch about them because they're like a poor coach. You're totally. just not coachable. Now totally. I'm, I'm like so coachable that like, well, I, so I just I, I actually, I think everybody's coachable. I think they just don't know how to be. Yeah. I don't, I, okay, they just don't know how to hear it. That's like profound. Every, everyone, that's profound. everyone has the ability to be coached. hundred percent. There's so much baggage that people come yeah. with. You know, I have it, you have, everyone has it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it goes back to, you know, one, you got to define what your why is. You got to have a strong enough why. And, you know, most people's why is about money and that, that just can't that be just it. Can't because be it. when a roadblock shows up, it's just, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be. 
it's got to be in depth and personal. So I spend a lot of time on my coach with my coaching clients defining that because if you're clear on what your why is, what your purpose is, when a when a when a situation shows up, a problem shows up, you're going to get through it. So actually, I think people are coachable. I think people go about coaching them the wrong way. You know, so with my coaching program, I don't spend a lot of time. I'm more of a go do this, go do this, go do this. Like I like it's we're here to get results. And I, I find that a lot of people spend more time with personal development versus uh, results in, in, let's say, real estate, because that's what I specialize in. So what I do is I spend more time on the real estate stuff at, at first. That's kind of the lead. But the truth is there's actually an underlying message of personal development. And so I spend a lot of time with my clients talking about masculine energy, feminine energy, how to communicate with your wife, how to communicate with your kids. Because if you can't communicate with them and clean up that mess, you're uncoachable. And you're not going to listen to the, any, any of the advice that I give you or tell you when I tell you to do stuff, you're going to push back. Now, I'm okay with pushing back if you're looking for clarity. What I'm not okay with when you become uncoachable is when you push back thinking that you know more than the person you're hiring to tell you what to do. Well, I think you, you, know, you point out something that's really important is that part of what you just described there is that to apply the coaching that you're taking, you have to be in a position to change the environment to actually apply the coaching. So at a corporate level, you know, one of the things is, is that, you know, corporations will send their management teams off and they'll spend weekends doing stuff and they'll do all this work. And then the management team will come back into this environment that they can't actually apply what they totally, learn, you know, totally. and then, irrelevant. And, and then, you know, then everybody's pissed off because whatever weekend or whatever coaching program or whatever it didn't work well it's actually the it was very good but you didn't create the environment for yeah. it to be successful yeah so that's called the container you don't yeah. they didn't create the container for them to have results sure and it's no different than you know communicating with my kid you know my kids are they're super coachable they just got to be spoken to or led the way that they're going to get the results that i want them to get it's a form of manipulation you know like we t- we were talking about this earlier you know it's it's about leading a conversation with somebody so they hear it and then they do it. And that's, that's what a good coach does. Speaking to their values. Speak to their values. Yeah. And in, 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 in my world, it all comes back to what your why is. Why are you, because it, it doesn't have to be real estate. Most people I find are getting into real estate for all the wrong, they think well, it's we'll easy. Use, well, we'll call, vehicle, we'll call real estate a vehicle yeah. to an outcome, but it's not like you can, you're getting in a Porsche and driving it. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work quite that way. And in fact, if you get into real estate, you're not getting into a Porsche for like 15 years. Yeah. Because real estate is a get rich slowly. Yeah. It's not a get rich quick. Yeah. You know, it's not like, man, I've been in this. My, I bought my first property in 2003. It's 2019 right now. Yeah. So it's been 16 years. Yeah. And in the last two and a half years, we finally got to the point where we're pretty flush. Our portfolios are good. We're making cash flow. We're, you know, we're now we're flipping houses. I have 19, 20 staff. I have like, it, it, it seriously took 15 years yeah. for us to actually, well, but along the way, we're going to talk about some of these mistakes that we made. I probably could have achieved it in about 10 years, but it took me 15 years to do it. Well, I think, the, you know, and I want to, yeah, so we'll go back to one fundamental thing in the coaching part of it, you know, and, and this is, you and I both know this, is that, and that's why you do a lot of couples work, because without both people involved, it it's almost impossible to. Totally. You it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And that's where Krista in your case comes in because Krista's awesome mm-hmm. as well as a coach and and she can really pick up the slack on the other side of that. So you're very how to get it done 
A, B, C, you got lots of business experience. You've, you've learned a lot around leadership and you've learned a lot around supporting people to be good leaders or great leaders. And, and so then Krista comes in behind the scenes and can bring couples together in powerful ways. Is that a fair statement? Is that uh, yeah, kind of, totally. Chris is the, I'm the business coach. Yeah. Chris is the life coach. Yeah. And, you know, the life coaching side of things is not everyone has to do it. It's not like, hey, we're going to force this down your throat. That's not how it works. The real estate we force down your throat yeah. because that's what I'm, what I'm there for. I'm, yeah, that's yeah. what you're there for. You're there to get results. Yeah. I'm going to give you the results. So, you know, the, the, how we describe it is I'm going to teach you how to make a million dollars. Chris is going to show you how to keep a million dollars mm. because I can show you how to make it. But if your relationship's terrible, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And or, or you're going to split it 50-50. Or, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, or, or worse. Or worse. Or, yeah. or, or you're going to go bankrupt yeah, or you yeah, make yeah. bad decisions. You're going to buy, buy bad prop, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I show them, I'll get them the money. Chris's job is to show them how to keep the money. And the only way you keep it is by having an unreal relationship because becoming a millionaire isn't, isn't hard. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. Staying a millionaire, yep. that is the challenge. Yeah. And that's why, you know, something like 85% of pro football players or pro athletes go bankrupt within yeah. four or five years of it's, them retiring. It is a sad statistic. Yeah. Because they don't know how to have money. They're great football players totally. or they're great athletes, but they don't know how to handle it. But they it. don't change who they are when they have the money. They're still the same person as they were before they had it. So real estate's kind of the same. Can so be. You, yeah. It absolutely is because yeah. you buy this real estate and you don't know what it's like to have money yet. And it's a slow progression over time. So all of a sudden, 15 years from now, you have 10 properties. And all of a sudden, those 15 years, you're doing $15,000, $20,000 a month of positive cash flow. It literally sneaks up on you. And along the way, if you don't spend the time honing who you are and developing you know, who, who you're showing, how you're showing up, all of a sudden, you're the same person 20, 15 years ago, but now you have $20,000 a month. Yeah. Bad decisions show up. <clears throat> Totally. Potentially. Okay, so let's let's go back to, I want to talk a little bit about real estate because something that you just said, you know, kind of tweaked me around all of this. So we talk about coaching, we talk about cash flow, managing, real estate. Now we look at the space that we play in and, and it is called real estate education. You know, you you do education beyond coaching. You also run a business, a very successful business in fix, flip, buy, acquire, keep, sell. You, you, you've got a whole thing going on and you're very accomplished at it. The the question I have for you is this, is that, you know, Rain has been around 27 years and now everybody's an expert. We've, mm-hmm. t- we've actually had this conversation about how many people are buying because of social media, because of, of I don't know, what, what, what we call it. You know, Rain's been around 27 years. I look at the space called free meetup groups and people are doing it. Ugh. And I mean, I, I think about how many previous Rain members are out there literally teaching a lot of stuff that they never even owned. Some of my, I think are quite accomplished and successful at it, but what are, what are you seeing in the space when we talk about, I see, I have a lot of frustration around the, the free this and everybody think it's free that, and you're getting this and you're getting that. And there's always a, a sell of real estate in the back end. There's always an agenda behind it. I don't know where to enter that conversation, but what what are you seeing because you're in the space too? Oh, dude, this is a hot topic for me because it pisses me right off. Like you know, like when when I was at Rain, I loved it. I loved, I loved the uh, the um, the research. I loved the um, the speakers. I loved the the venue. I loved the room. I loved everything about it. And but what really pissed me off was all the other people that were doing their own events that 
had different agendas. You know, they they were trying to get deals out of the room. They were trying to sell into the room. They were trying to sell product into the room. It was just like drove me mental. It drove me mental. The American American programs coming in and running these workshops and then selling coaching programs for forty thousand dollars and people buying their shit. And when we when I left in two thousand and seventeen and I started Tilt. We got into about six months, seven months later, I started doing events. And I started doing the events on the simple premise of uh, really taking all those people who are lying out. Because there's so many shit programs, there's so many shit coaches, there's so many shit people. There's so many people that say they own real estate, but don't. And they're out teaching people how to do it. And they're getting, they're setting people up for bad, bad, bad results. And I'm seeing that even to this day, people teaching joint venturing stuff, people teaching... Uh, how to structure deals and raising capital. Raising capital. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, here's an interesting holy. part of it. So, this could all sound like sour grapes to some people listening to this because we're in the industry. And, you know, so maybe, you know, if you were, I don't know, in some other industry, we could whine about people that are out there. But this is a, you know, for us, because we've been at it for so long, we also see the fallout. Mm-hmm. We see the cost and the consequences of people that have been guided the wrong way, given perhaps, you know, really, really lied to in terms of what they should do and how they should and and you know when we talk about what's going on in the world of joint ventures and raising capital i mean part of where you know when we look at the the capital that we raised over the years and and our joint venture agreements interesting that we had a joint venture agreement we have joint venture agreements we actually have agreements that make sense and that work and that we were really responsible and accountable to those joint venture agreements so the what we see and what we've seen that the effects of is people raising capital that are really not holding themselves accountable to it. They're not really delivering on the other side of the equation. We see joint venture agreements and joint venture partnerships go off the rails for a hundred reasons and nothing to back it up. Dude, man, it's the stories that I've seen just with my coaching clients alone. It's un, it, and I'll sit there and I'll talk to them like, where'd you get that? Like, where'd you hear that from? Oh, so and so told said this, and it's like, dude, we got to tear that apart. Like, we got to rebuild this thing T- to the point where I have a client right now where he went off and bought a number of properties in all these areas. I'm like, why were you buying there? All oh, these, this realtor was blah blah blah, and he told me to buy this and this and this. It's just like, dude, you're in so much trouble right now. I have a I have a client. He has like twenty some odd properties, and he's only cash flowing twenty some odd properties. And he's cash flowing like nineteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's a problem. Like you have a massive problem right now. We need to clean this up. Mm-hmm. And but once again, they just follow the wrong people. So when I started out with the tilt stuff uh, years, two years ago, the the um, the events, it was mainly because I wanted to change the industry it, regionally. Like I'm not a national. I wasn't a national dude. I was just in Edmonton, and I wanted because there's people in Edmonton that were starting to pop up realtors because I was you know 2017. So we're 2016. The recession starts. So now realtors start popping up, given advice and running programs and realtors are after commission you know let's let's call lead it generation. Let, let, well, let's, lead let's generation. call it what it is so yeah. they're sitting there telling people to buy certain stuff mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense i'm not our agent i don't make any commission off of a sale of a house so which meant the information i was giving was here's what i would be doing here's what i would be buying here's what works here's what doesn't because i'm in the trenches so what really fires me up is the all the wannabe coaches or the wannabe events that are out there that they're not really given the advice that works for me. I'm not saying it's bad advice. It's just 
I, I've transacted 100, I've, sorry, I, I own 152. I've transacted over 410. I've, I have apartment buildings. I have fourplexes. I have condos. I have townhouses. I have co- places with high condo fees and low condo fees. I got, I got places I rent out for half or $5,000 a month, you know, that are 1.2 million. I got shit boxes. I got everything. Mm. And I, I have seen things that people have not. I have two weeks ago, I had a person get stabbed in a unit, one of our units, funny enough. <laughs> Great. There was a domestic, or they had a party. There was some kind of, uh, not a domestic, but there's some kind of argument. And the lady pulled out a knife and stabbed another one in the hand. She put up her hand and stabbed her in the hand. It was just, like, I've seen so much stuff that I can prevent a lot of people from making those mistakes that I made on my own. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you have the property management company with, you know, whatever you've got, you know, four or 500 doors that you guys manage. And so you also learn a lot from that. I I think the part of it that where I see is that, is that social media in every industry is, is interesting. And especially over the past couple of years where who do you believe? Mm -hmm. What do you believe? It's like in, you know, it's like uh, global warming or Mm -hmm. environment, you know, environmental change or whatever whatever phraseology that's going to be used is I can get as be a vegan versus don't eat meat eat meat uh, eat only vegetables whatever it might be so it, there, there's so much like I can get evidence to support anything I want to support totally anything so so with that said how do you pick I, the I, right person I dude. No, you're a smart dude. I'm How asking you, you the question. No, I'm asking you now. <laughs> no, no, this is too hard a question for no. me. <laughs> no, well, how do, you, how do you pick it? Well, I think, you know, ultimately I have my own belief system around certain things and, and I know what I trust. So there's there's a layer of credibility that comes with the research. And ultimately, for me, it's always going to be, I'm going to go back to the research and just my years on earth and the people I know. So I'm going to make decisions that are educated. I, I'm not one to follow a shiny thing, uh-huh. you know, I can go off course for a bit, but I, I don't chase shiny things. You know, I don't chase the next greatest, best thing. And so, um, and I've been around and I've spent enough money and I've, it's cost me enough money to, to know that there is no get rich quick. All right. So get it. So you're 20 years ago. No, no, hang. You're a lot older than that. So let's go 50 years ago. <laughs> Shut up. Settle down. <laughs> so you're 10. No, kidding. So you're 25 years old. Yep. You're 30 years old, and you're just getting started in real estate. And you have social media. At, like it's today. It's okay. in this world. In this world. What do I do? How do you pick that coach, or that that program, or that that group to follow? How do you determine who to follow? Because there's lots, man. There's so many. There is so many. You know, so how do you pick it? Well, how, do you, how do you know? For me, it's, it's, it's I'm going to follow the leader. So in other words, I want somebody who's in the trenches. It's, it's one of the things. So for, for, for us, you know, what's the track record? Is it real? This was an interesting, I've, I've recently read uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I, I really dig a lot of Robert Kiyosaki stuff. And he recently wrote a book called Fake. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about, you know, fake this, fake that, fake teachers, fake assets, fake money, fake fake you know like it's 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 actually quite uh, it's actually really a great book but one of the things that he talks about and what we he he's always hammered the school system for not teaching people about money and the reasons they don't do that and that's kind of an interesting concept and and but ultimately you know he uses the example he goes kids go to university and they let's say they're learning accounting and you look at that accounting teacher and you say to that accounting teacher how much accounting have you done? Mm-hmm. 
Like, did you hmm. run a business? Did you have a career in accounting? No. So they're really teaching you the theory of accounting and not the intricacies of, you know, application because they're just being teachers. Now, that's not to make them wrong, but it's an example of, you know, the, the individual that is teaching about real estate investing. And this is, I guess, where we can go with this is that ultimately, what have you done? Uh-huh. Like, have you really, really been in the trenches? Have you taken action? And I mean, one of the things that Rain has talked about many times over the years is who's on our stage? What have they accomplished? You know, uh, and, we, and we have a list of speakers across and that we've learned over the years that have done exceptionally well. But that's really where it comes to is what is their, what's their real life experience? Uh-huh. And, and so are you a testament to your own work? So are you a representative of, of what you've learned and then applied? In my world, they have to be doing it. Yeah. I'm not following anybody unless they're taking action today. Doing it. I'm not following anybody who's taken action 15 years ago. Right. Because it's changed it's, a lot. It's such a different game. Think about the mistakes we made 15 years ago. Totally. Oh, well, it's not, it's not even that. And we're paying for them today, by well, the way. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> but mortgage rules have changed. Yeah. Buying a house today yeah. is not the same yeah. as buying a house five years ago. Yeah. So if you're following somebody who hasn't bought a house in 15 years, you're following the wrong person. How they, just because they did it doesn't mean they can do it again. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if it were me, I'm following someone who has a large portfolio. I'm not taking any advice from someone who has four. I'm just not because they haven't made enough mistakes to learn anything. Buying four properties, I can do that in my sleep. I, I, I was buying four properties a day when I started out. And I want someone that I'm going to be able to follow who has 20, 30, 40 properties Mm -hmm. who've had them for years and have made all kinds of mistakes. I want to hear them say, I've had a story of a person who shot, got shot. I want to hear them say, I had a place flood to for $300,000 and here's what I learned from it. That's who I'm going to be following. I'm not going to be following someone who had a bunch of joint venture partners and made them all bankrupt. And that's, if he's not doing it or she's not doing it, I ain't following him. I ain't going to follow a renovator who is just renovating homes. I want to, the way I do it, I'm, a, I'm an investor renovator. So I'm renovating houses based off of investments. I'm just not, I'm just not renovating a house. So I follow certain people who are actually doing what I'm achieving or aspiring to do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting around all of that is that you is being current is really, really important. And we have to qualify a couple of things. You know, you're talking about, individuals who are going to be in the trenches doing work. So that's not to say that if you're investing in real estate that you don't look at other opportunities to invest in real estate. Having said that, if you're going to buy into a limited partnership, if you're going to buy into a REIT. Dominic. You, look at Dominic. Dominic Mandato. Like, like, okay, like, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, but he's, he's stellar. A, but like, yeah, but, yeah, but he's still a doer. Yeah, he is. You know, you're, you're right. not, you're not giving money to somebody who did it 10 years ago. This yeah, yeah. is a guy. He's in it every day. Yeah, like I, I don't care if you're buying a stock. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're, if you're selling vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. You want to sell a vacuum cleaner, go learn from someone who's selling them today and having success and doing versus it. someone who's done it 10 years ago. Because right. the game's changed. The game has changed. Clients have changed. Totally. Clients as in tenants have changed. Totally. Marketing has changed. You know, where people are getting their information has changed. You know, one of the things that Rain's been, is really proud of and has done a great job of, and, and you know, Don Campbell started that, you know, he really started that path around understanding the economic fundamentals that drive a real estate market. I mean, Jennifer Hunt has just totally nerded out and has taken that whole game to a, a different level. Her recent 
the work that we've done, her and her research team did on the millennial report is absolutely, there's nothing that can touch that. Now you talk about the up and coming cohort of millennials and the effect that that's going to have on us as rental housing providers and who we have to cater to and who we have to consider as our clients going forward. They just have a different expectation of where they want to move into and what they want that place to look like. So you think about the single families that we bought years ago that, you know, they had the harvest gold fridges and stoves. I mean, that just doesn't fly in this world at all. Mm -hmm. And not just for millennials, by the way, but millennials have a different expectation. And whether it's earned or not, that's a whole different. But if you don't understand that part of it, if you don't understand your client base, it's going to bite you in the ass for sure. Well, we see it all the time. Yeah. You know, like I, I see that, you know, Grand Prairie is an interesting, interesting, you know, area to be investing in because, you know, we have stuff that it still rents. You know, it's not, you know, it's the, it's not necessarily, millennials are different up there. Totally. They're, that's a different Totally. Game. You know, that, that's it. Okay. But that's a really good point. It, we just, we digress into the conversation of real estate, but millennials in Northern Alberta, Northern mm-hmm. BC, uh, Fort McMurray, in you know any in those if those uh, labor camp they're high income earners they have a different set of toys I mean it's a different world that they live in compared to let's say a downtown Toronto downtown Correct. Vancouver downtown Edmonton I mean that's a just a different yeah. you know different yeah, the mentality tenor, the, you know the, the, but the fundamentals of buying real estate really like understanding t- who yeah, your client yeah, is yeah like I was telling you guys you and Stephanie earlier like buying a house is buying a house yeah you know like buy it in Arizona buy it in Mexico well Mexico would be a little bit different but buy it in Arizona buy it in Edmonton Calgary it's all the same the fundamentals will dictate and drive what you want to buy and you just got to understand that and that's what you know to be honest that's one thing I've really missed from leaving rain in 2017 was all that big picture fundamental I just became a I just became a regional expert yeah. I became an Edmonton expert yeah Nobody knows that city better than me. Like I know every, almost every house for them. Like I've, yeah. I've just seen so much and I know tenant profiles. I know areas. I know like that is my hood. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the things that I, you know, I didn't really appreciate until I was gone was, you know, all the, all the research that rain was doing. And, you know, so I went off and did my own thing. I, I ended up breaking it down to the top uh, 20 communities to be investing in. So, you know, one of the challenges that I, I, I saw w- uh, with rain was it was very, you know, here's their top city to invest in, go invest in Edmonton. Well, that's like saying, Hey, go fish in that lake. Yeah. But where do you fish in that lake? So what I was seeing was a lot of people coming into Edmonton and then they get tied into a realtor that is selling them a house and they're Takes selling, them off on a different yeah, path. So and how many times do we see this? And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not bashing any agent. The truth is agents are attached to a commission. So you have to be very careful and if you're going to use an agent to buy an investment property, my advice, strong advice, is to use an agent who actually owns investment properties versus following someone who's buying the one the very first one for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then people are coming in and they're buying properties in, say, the northeast side of Edmonton, or they're buying an area, you know, in downtown in the Shady on the wrong side of um, the ice district because yeah. the ice district is on the north on the south side of 104th yeah, don't it's, go, it's don't not go. on the south on the north yeah, side of 104th don't go north yeah right so you go north yeah. all of a sudden it's like yeah, wow a different world what's going on here yeah. but so many people are coming in and buying $80,000 condos on the north side of 104th on the ice district on the wrong side of the ice district wrong side of the tracks we're on the other side of the tracks we're like four or five six hundred thousand dollars right yeah so it's just you know, so it's, it's it was, you know, saying to go fish in that pond is the wrong thing to do. It's like, hey, go fish in that pond. Here are your fishing holes. So that's what I was able to do because I live in that world. 
So we were able to come back and say, here's the top 20 places you want to be investing in. Here's why. Here's your tenant profile. Here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. And, you know, so that's one of the things that I was able, I'm able to do because I own that city. Do I don't you, own it, but I'm, you know what I mean? Yep. You're, you're, that's your hood. Yeah. So tell me, what do you see as uh, the biggest block for real estate investors that are, whether they're just getting started? Well, let's just start there. For those individuals that are trying to get started in investing in real estate, or maybe they own one or two doors. So let's say early on in their real estate investing, what are some of the, I don't know, I don't want to call it mistakes, but what are the missteps? Where, where, why are they getting stuck? What are you seeing as the challenges that they're facing today? Oh, good question. Um, well, I think fear stops most people from doing anything. The fear of the unknown. I think, it, you know, if, using your example, if they have one or two properties, they kind of, they normalize it a little bit and then they, they kind of lose sight of maybe what their, what their why was. And then they get stuck with these two. Played a couple of fires, then yeah, they shuts them down. Yeah, and they get they they get stuck on it. And you know, like I, one of my staff called me up the other day, and we had a bunch of stuff. We had because it's been raining a lot in Edmonton, so we had all these floods. And they're like, I don't understand how you're so calm. And I'm like, because there's there'll be more problems tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I can get all charged up about a problem today, and let it ruin my life, ruin my day, and ruin my go home and fight with my wife, fight with my kids, or I can just say, okay, I'll deal with it. And I've taught myself how to deal with problems with no charge. Like, it's just a problem. I'll deal with it. I know another one's coming. Like, I can't avoid it. So I, I, some of the biggest roadblocks that I see is, you know, to be totally frank, is that people try to, they think they can do it themselves. And they'll, they'll try following stuff on social media or they'll follow things on YouTube and they'll start watching stuff versus getting a coach or joining a group or joining a, a mastermind or some, some kind of support system where they're going to get education. Because there's so much that we just don't know. Even me, who's transacted over 400 and something, and I own 152, and I've bought and flipped over $135 million worth of real estate, I still don't know a lot of stuff. I know a lot of stuff, but there's so much that I just haven't seen. Like, we we just had a house the other, we bought a house the other day, and we had to jackhammer the whole floor. I've never seen that before. I had to bring in people to show me what to do and walk me through it. So there's always stuff that we don't know. So the moral of the story is my number one advice is if someone wants to grow, scale their business from one or zero to three or, 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 or three to 10, you got to follow someone who's doing it, you know, and, and it's going to cost you money. Okay, great. Well, so does school. You go to university, you go to Nate, you go to U of A, UBC, UBCO, whatever it is, it's going to cost you some money to go get an education. So there's two ways to get the education. School of hard knocks, do it yourself, make all the mistakes, which is what we did, or go find someone to say, hey, listen, uh, here's what I want to do. How do I do it? And they take you, they take you through it. Okay, so you've, you do a lot of coaching and you've looked at a lot of different organizations that you know, profess education, all the rest of it. So if you're, a, if you're telling, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this, what guidance are you giving them in terms of how would they hire a coach? If somebody, you know, was there, do you have questions that you would want to expect them to answer? So how do I, you know, over the years, there's lots of 10,000, 5,000, 25,000, $50,000 coaching programs. They're all over the map. And some of them are really awesome, like really, really good. They're solid, solid. But how do you, how does, what's the discernment? How does somebody decide what is a good coaching program? What kind of questions should they be asking? So if somebody was going to hire you as a coach, what would you want them to ask you? Or if they were saying to you, what should I ask a guy that's offering uh, me a yeah. coaching program? So the, the, the questions that I like the best is how much, how many properties do you have? Mm-hmm. Um, 152. Uh, how much money do you make? 
what do you mean? How much money do I make? Well, how much money? What's your cash flow? Mm -hmm. Well, last month I did fifty-two thousand dollars in cash flow. Mm -hmm. Those are the numbers that I want to know mm -hmm. because you know I was talking to a guy. I was talking to a guy. Uh, but do you, are you minimizing? So, but so are you suggesting that somebody who owns fifteen doors that's cash flowing fifteen thousand dollars a month that he wouldn't be a good coach? I would follow that guy all day long. But if if I talk to a guy and he has twenty doors and he's cash flowing nineteen hundred dollars, then you I ain't following you wonder, that guy. You wonder, yeah, okay. You know, so it's not about the volume of properties you have; it's the it's the ROI that mm -hmm. you're getting. What what kind of results it's are you producing? What are the results that you're getting? Yeah. You know, you could have five properties that are cash flowing five thousand dollars a month. Oh, that sounds pretty good. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Yeah. Tell me more. What are you buying? Well, there's Use a. That it's guy interesting. A we had a rain member. Um, and I had him on my on my podcast a long time ago, a guy by the name of Rick Harris. And Rick Harris has has actually been really successful as a coach, but he's actually coaching people how to grow a portfolio to four or four or five doors. Where go four or five doors, that's it. That's all you need. Stop. I'll show you how to do it. And I'll show you how to actually make a lot of money mm -hmm. buying those four or five doors. And he's been very successful at it. So I, I agree. What I what I coach with what I coach people to do is let's get four to six. Yeah. And in 15 years, I'll show you how to have 20. I'm going to show you how to have, tw how to have 20 properties in 15 years. Because the mistake people make is, and this is this, this is a message that even Rain teaches, the mistake people make is they hold onto the property for way too long. Mm. So look at our situation. So we've had these properties for almost 15 years. Yeah. We've refinanced the snot out of these things. Yeah. We've pulled money out. We've given it to partners. Who knows what they did with it? Yeah. Gave it to you. I don't know what you did with it. Gave it to me. You don't I know said, what I did. That's exactly what I did. I just gave it back yeah. to you. <laughs> totally. Went back. You know, but we don't know. Yeah. You know, so you keep on refinancing. You keep on leveraging out. You keep your, your loan to value really high. Your cash flow stays low. So the number one mistake people make is they're taught from our parents to buy this property and keep it for 25 years. And that's the messaging that is actually shared in the rain room. Every room says this, keep it. And if all you do is pay it off in 25 years, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's such bullshit. Mm. Every property should be sold or let me say that again. Every property should be reevaluated to be sold every eight years, mm. every eight years. What's the magic number about eight years? As far as what? Well, you, know, you said every eight years. Why, why, why eight, eight years? Why, okay, so, why not six? Well, yeah, so great why question. Nine? So if the house is $400,000, Okay, so that's an average sale price of a house. Mm -hmm. The condos are a little bit less. Town, so it's just a single-family home, four hundred thousand in Edmonton, obviously. Wait, yeah, I was going to say in, in, in Alberta. Yep. Yeah. So let, it's whatever the it number doesn't matter. Whatever yeah, the numbers, scale the numbers however you want. Yep. So it's four hundred thousand dollars. That means you need eighty thousand dollars to put down a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You're buying it down ten thousand dollars a year. Yep. In eight years, you sell that house. You have eighty thousand times two. You get your original deposit back yep. plus your eighty thousand dollars. Now you have enough. You have enough money to go buy two houses. So you're doubling your herd. It's called culling your herd. So you cull your herd to grow it. So if you get to five properties in eight years, or you know, so you buy one, so you get eight properties in eight years. Well, in eight years, you start selling your house. That means every year you're selling a house and buying two. So in eight years, you get to eight. 16 years from the first time you bought, you now have 16 properties with, the, with more cash flow. You're, so you're taking the same amount of money that you originally bought with, and you've doubled your portfolio over a 16-year time. That's really slow. 
<laughs> well, that's how the game's played. Well, no, but I'm just being the consumer. That's how the game's person. played. I get it. So I, I now have. But I'm just, I'm just like that yeah. doesn't light me up. No, well, real estate shouldn't light you up. <laughs> that's all. I'm the saying. only thing that should light you up. I used to be. We used to teach people that the only, you know, you shouldn't get excited about a deal. Like, don't get jazzed about a deal. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Get jazzed about the fucking deal. Yeah, yeah. Don't get jazzed about trying to make money, becoming a millionaire in five years. Right, because that's the unrealistic that's, goal. That's unrealistic. And some guys hit it out of the park. Sometimes you can get some good deals going. Absolutely. But let's, let's, let's just take a look at the, you know, the... the And there are people that are able to pull it off in five years. They do some really well. Absolutely. There are those stories. But, but all I'm saying is just play the game differently. But here's the fundamental is that, you know, you are, you live in the world called, okay, full-time real estate, business, investor, all the rest of it. The... You know, the average person is not full-time. They're actually, they have careers. They, you know, they're whatever. They could be doctors. They could be nurses. They could be electricians. They could be plumbers. They're actually just trying to build a future portfolio. Yeah, retirement. They're, they're actually planning for the future. Yeah. So, you know, is it is it realistic to think that a 10-year window, can you working part-time real estate, you know, a 40-hour work week, is you know can you can you achieve some good financial goals in ten years? If, absolutely, it all depends on two things: one, how much capital do you have? Yep. And two, how much capital can you get? So in that's that, what it comes down to. Yeah. So, and there's a there's another fundamental thing that I the one of the biggest breakdowns that I think in it. So I asked that question because, you know, ultimately you have to look at what your real estate goals are. Totally. And right? and you got to look at your age. Yeah, yeah. Age plays a big factor. Well, in it this does. Too. But it but also is am I buying real estate for future income or am I Yeah. Do I need it today? To do it today. And this is probably the this is an in an industry annoyance of mine is that people come in in the belief that they're going to make a thousand bucks a month cash flow and they're going to live off a thousand bucks a month cash yeah, flow, yeah, which totally. is oh gosh. You know, really, you know, just Park that thousand bucks a month, put it back in the totally. property bank account because you're going to need it. So there's there's that fallacy is that don't live into an illusion of that. So future income versus income today, and it's two totally different strategies. Mm-hmm. What do you what you're looking at a deal totally? You're actually constructing deals differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in, in we look at a renovate and flip. That's for income today. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it, that's it, a drug. It, that's a quick hit. That's a quick hit of income, yeah. right? So yeah. yes, you can make a lot of money doing that. And actually you can, if you do it right, but you can also lose your ass. Yeah. And then you can also build your portfolio that way if you get into that game. But that's a hard part-time game to play, mm-hmm. right? So we talk about different types of investing. If you've got capital, you can actually be the capital partner on somebody who has experience. Totally. So if I look at you, Jared Hope, and I go, okay, Hoper's got... You know, he's, he's, he's got a track record. He's doing deals. He knows what's happening. I'm going to say, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to put 400000 in. Go buy cash for that house. You're going to flip it over six months, and you're going to renovate it. You're going to flip it six months, three months, whatever your numbers are, depending on how quick you're doing the flip. Mm-hmm. What's the return on my investment? And we decide. We make That would be one play. Correct. You would probably take that 400000 and go, no, I don't want four hundred. Give me two hundred here, two hundred here. We'll do two houses. Yeah. You know, go financing and we'll, yeah, totally right. But the point is, is that that is another way to generate income investing in real estate if you have some capital. There's so many ways, man. Like, yeah. there's so many ways to make money in real estate, and but this goes back to following the right people. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's not you know as much as I'm like I'm very opinionated. Everyone, you know, you know no, that, and really? you know, people hearing it. And you drop f bombs all the you, time. You've been throwing them too. I, just so I, I haven't yeah. thrown them until you, have, uh, once I heard you say them, I'm like, oh, this is it's go time. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you better that's, edit that out. That's only because of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, there's so many ways to make money in real estate, and and my way is just my way. It's not the 
way to do it. It's just a way to do it. You have a way and there's other speakers. That's the benefit. That's one of the best things about Rain. There's so many different ways to generate revenue. And our job is to articulate and clearly communicate how, how we're doing it for the person hearing it, the audience to take away some of the nuggets so they will go off and have success. The disconnect starts showing up with what I find with people in the audience, not at Rain, but just in any audience, is they hear things differently than we're seeing it. Because we, you know, there's just not enough meat on it. There's not enough uh, texture to it. There's not enough ability or time for us to go deep enough to answer the questions, which is where coaching comes in. Mm. So if you truly want to have the success, whatever that is, whatever that's defined as, $5,000, $12,000, I don't care. If you truly want to have it, go align your, yourself with the people, follow your, the people that have achieved that. Ask the tough questions. Totally. Don't drink the Kool-Aid and, and, and chase the shiny thing. I sat down years and years ago. I sat down with this, this finance guy. He comes out to me and I, I quit playing. I leave hockey and I get a settlement, right? So I get a little insurance settlement. And I sit down with this guy and he's like, Jared, like, I'm going to make you a million dollars or whatever the number was. I'm like, dude, that's so great. Like, I need it. I, got, I just got one question. How much, how much do you make? And he's like, well, well I haven't done it yet. But here, we're going to do this and this and this. I'm like, dude, if you're not doing it for yourself, there's no way you're going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And I walked out and I ended up going with another guy who actually was doing it. And this guy is doing it with actually showed me his finance. He showed me his books. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, if you're showing me your books, you're doing it. Here's my money. And we ended up making a little bit of money off that, which was great, which goes back to follow the systems, follow the people that are working the systems at work, period. So where do people get stuck in the analysis paralysis? When do you know enough? Like, how do individuals take the education and then put it into practice? That's such a great question, man. Like, I don't even know how to answer that because at some point in time, you just, you either shit or get off the pot. At some point in time, you got to shoot the puck. If you don't shoot the puck, you're never going to score. You're never going to shoot, get a basket if you don't let go of the ball. And you know, what I find with people is they, they're so worried about getting it right that it actually stops them from taking action. And one of the, one of the things that I do with my coaching clients is I actually have them do um, trial or mock portfolio. I'll make them build a mock portfolio. And what that means is this. So I'll make them go take a binder. And in that binder, they'll have a many different tabs inside this binder. And they'll actually go, because they're actually building their confidence this way. So what they're doing is because people won't take action because of fear and fear is a direct result of a lack of confidence and not knowing something. So I'll get them to create this binder and in this binder, they'll go look at 30 or 40 properties. So they'll actually narrow down the type of property that they want. Well, I'll have them look at single family houses with no garages, single family houses with garages, 1500 square foot, 1800 suited, townhouses, duplexes, everything. And then they'll actually say, here's the MLS, here's notes on things I liked about it, things I didn't like about it, here's the tenant profile, here's how many Starbucks, Tim Hortons, here's Walmarts, here's everything that's in the area, uh, here's why I would buy it, here's this and this. Here, if I were to buy it, here's what I'd offer on it, blah, blah, blah. This how, then they'd come back and say, this house sold for this. So they're actually building a case, it's a case study. So what happens over the course of the five or six months of them doing this, their level of confidence slowly starts creeping up to the point where they're clearly defined on what they're buying. They know exactly what the purchase price is. They know exactly who their client is so that when something shows up, it's like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to go do this. They don't even think about it because it comes second nature. 
So what happens with people is they get stuck in analysis paralysis because they don't have the res- this they don't have the experience to get out of it. So by giving them this binder, this task, they're actually getting the experiences to go get a result, which gets them out of the analysis paralysis. Yeah, you got to do the work, and at some point, you got to start to move forward. So when which do, goes back to your why. If your why is clean and clear enough, you're going to go put in the time to do that. I think there's a there's another part of the conversation just because we've both seen and over the years people that just get stuck yeah you know they're they you know the education is never going to be enough the deal is never going to be the right deal there's always a reason not to take action but there also has to be a fundamental understanding that at some point to your point you got to shoot the puck if you look in and you're assessing it and you're asking you have to start asking yourself the question why aren't i taking action Mm -hmm. really Mm-hmm. And so when do you reach out for help? When do you reach out for guidance? And that's where a little bit of, you know, people get a little bit, um, you know, they, they get stuck in this, this, I don't want I like, I feel like I should know more. They, I'm embarrassed to ask the question. I don't, I, you know, I feel so stupid because I'm talking to somebody who has 10 doors. I should know more. Like they have a whole story. Then they have a whole story around why they actually can't ask for help. Mm-hmm. When you're in your programs that you've run over the years, and the people that you've worked with over the years, do you actually, what do you see often and how do you help people get over that hump? I mean, you work them through, you just described an exercise that you put them through, but what else is stopping people? What is behind that? This, this uh, that, 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 there's so many layers to that because that is, you know, how they were brought up. Mm-hmm. That is their parents telling them they're not good enough. However they said it, they didn't necessarily say, hey, you're not good enough. But that's the underlying message that they they got. So there's so many patterns that need to be broken in order for someone even to put an offer on a property. Because, you know, maybe they grew up poor and they were taught money's bad. Maybe they grew up thinking that real estate is the worst thing to own. Maybe they grew up thinking that they have to be in a union for support. There's so much baggage that people come with. And it's not, none of it's right, none of it's wrong. It just is what it is. And my analysis of it all is the only way to get through it is to get some experiences to build the confidence to to be able to do something. And the best way to do that is to put them into a non-threatening environment, which is go research. Go research this versus reading all this stupid stuff. None of that matters. None of that matters if you can't put an offer on a house. So once you learn it all, Go start doing this homework. Go start walking the streets. Make your notes. Take your pictures. It's a different level of confidence. So there's confidence in understanding the systems and the policies on uh, joint venturing and this and this. But when it comes time to put an offer, people will stop. Oh, my God, I'm going to fail. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, What if I don't get the right price? And then I see people, you know, they're negotiating on a house and, you know, they're $3,000 apart. So, But then they stop negotiating on the house. They're like, this is bullshit. I'm paying too much. The win is the house. The win is not getting it for $3,000 less. So what I challenge people to do is go get your education from books and systems and programs, sure, but also get, go get some real-life education by you know, taking action without actually taking action. You know what I mean? You're not actually going out buying it. You're just going to go research it. You know, it's interesting is we had a, had a conversation and in the decision-making process, right? You just decide and then it leads into another decision and it leads into another decision. So there's all sorts of ways that we can get into the world of making decisions and moving forward. You know, J.G. Frank, 
his decision making process is he gets a little bit of information and he just jumps. Yeah. Like he's the guy that jumps out of an airplane and then builds a parachute on the yeah. way down. I'm now, like that too. And I, I you are absolutely yeah. that way. So I'm not recommending that, but there is a place where when you can develop that attitude and then you just have to have the confidence that you can actually build the parachute. What yeah, totally. But what go back to the binder. That binder system, that analogy of the binder, which is a, which is which is, which is a true thing that we do. That binder system is the confidence to know that when you jump, that you have a parachute and you know it's going to open. So one of the common problems that I see people make is, you know, when they're stuck in analysis process is because they have too many options in front of them. They don't know if it's a condo townhouse. They don't know this. They don't, they have all these things. They just don't, they don't understand. So by creating this binder, doing this research, it actually cleans up the types of properties that they're going to look for. So the number one thing you need to start with is how much money do you got? You know, if you're if 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 you're looking for suited houses that are five hundred thousand dollars and you only have forty thousand dollars, well, that math doesn't work. You're not going to be able to do that. So there's a lot of things that have to start at the start or have to happen at the start. The binder then cleans it all up. Okay, so as we wind down the show, I'm going to teach that stuff just so we're clear. Like this binder thing's gold. Okay, we're going to teach it. <laughs> it's gold, man. Okay, well, no, it works. I'm excited. It cleans it up. I'm excited. So uh, for people that are in the rain room, familiar with rain and, and interested in doing some events, we'll, uh, you know, I'm going to have Jared back on the stage real soon. What do you want people to know? Like, let's just give some last minute advice. What's what's some of the top tips? Do you have some right now? Because we've just riffing off this. We actually had no plan for this particular interview we yeah. literally said let's just go with it yeah let's, let's just, just be full disclosure out. yeah let's just figure it out totally. so i just want to tap into your experience what's your top one two three tips for taking action moving forward in real estate in 2005 i started working with don you know i was, I was working with don every single wednesday don campbell, don yep. campbell sorry yep. i was meeting with don campbell every single wednesday at 11 o'clock 11 to 11 45 him and i did a call for a year I bought 64 properties that year, 64 properties. The year, the first year I bought three and then I bought eight and then I bought 64 when I was following somebody. You know, were they all the right properties? No, they weren't. Uh, I wasn't asking the right questions. Don was leading it, no problem. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so the number one advice I would strongly give is go follow somebody, a system, go follow somebody. If you can't afford a coach, great, go get into a system that has all of the supporting stuff that you need to get success. Do not try to do it yourself, period. And it's a tough business because in this business, you can lose so much money if you make a mistake. And I'm not talking your deposit. I'm like you, if you buy the wrong property, a condo, for example, you went and bought a condo. I know people who bought condos in Northeast Edmonton, $298,000 today, maybe 150, maybe 160. Mm -hmm. But they were buying these properties. They didn't know what they were doing. They were following the wrong people at the wrong time, buying the wrong product in the wrong area. Yeah, and, and, and in Edmonton, you know, you talk about Edmonton condos. I've just got such a do not buy a condo. That's no, that's buy them. It, it is, especially in Edmonton. I mean, there's you look at Toronto, Vancouver, there's certainly markets, even downtown Van, mm -hmm. or Edmonton. I mean, there's certainly places to buy condos. So like, it's not that don't buy them, but you got to really pay attention to what's going on with condos totally. because of all of the reasons. And, you know, some of the reasons that we've seen over the years develop is, is, you know, new condos, you got some new condo and, you know, more, um, 
Condo fees are only $125 a month. Yeah. Okay, well, where this are they going to be in five years <laughs> totally. from now? The one thing you know about condo fees is they only go yeah, up. Totally. And then, you know, is it a rental building? Is it a, you know, primarily owner-occupied building? Yeah. Like, there's so many things to consider. Well, and then the condo board changes rules, like, the, literally overnight. Literally. So there's so many things to consider in a condo. That's just a little button of mine. And, and then, of course, there's always the uh, cash calls that come with condos. Mm-hmm. And I hear that story time. And time mm-hmm. and time again, where you know special assessments are happening all the time, even on newer buildings, mm-hmm. because whatever code wasn't followed, whatever. Well, look, there was just a building that just got shut down there. Yeah, in Fort Saskatchewan. Yeah, like, yeah, huge you're, deal. You're seen it all, and there was one a little while ago in Leduc. They literally, it was only five years old, and they tore it down. Well, the, the, I mean, Fort McMurray was a big yeah, deal. Well, that, that, was, that, was yeah, that was huge, crazy. and I don't There's remember the, that. Yeah. There's still not. That's. Uh, Gosh, how many years ago? That five, seven years ago. Yeah. They're still in court with it. Well, they they tore the buildings down. Yes, but, but they're now still, they're all they're being sued. Right, but guess what? In the meantime, they're still paying mortgages. They're still paying mortgages. <laughs> I, I have a buddy who has two or three uh, up there. Man, oh man, that's painful. Yeah. So you know, that's a different. We go off on a different tangent. I interrupted you. Were you giving some good advice, sage uh, advice I was, before I, was giving, I interrupted I was you? Giving unbelievable advice. <laughs> advice buddy. Come on. Yeah, okay. No, I, like the advice is just you know how, how to get started and what to do. And it, my my strong advice, you know, I look back in 2003 when my wife, when Krista brought us to our first rain event, and back then it was called a quick start. And we went to a, and that was, you actually, uh, we came because of you and Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we went to that and Krista signed us up and I had no interest in doing it. I didn't want to do it. And, and, you know, I look back to this day, I'm super, super glad in 2003 we joined because I would not have the life that we have today. Understand this, real estate is a get rich slow game. It is not a get rich quick. And the other piece of advice I'd give people is invest dependent on your age. Because if you're 25 years old, you know what? You can go 20% down, 80% loan to value. If you're 55, your window's a lot shorter. I'd, I would advise going 30, 35% down. Go for cash, stronger cash flow, less risk versus a higher ROI. Because the game's played differently depending on your age. Jared, thanks so much for uh, being on the show. Thanks for uh, circling back and uh, getting back on the right track. You're back on the path. <laughs> Thanks, have, thanks for having me back. <laughs> that detour, <laughs> that detour was painful. Yeah. Anyways, the uh, so we have some fun and we have some laughs about it. It's good to have you back around. Thanks, buddy. Um, Tilt. Now, is it, just because if if people are asking, do you still offer your coaching program? Yeah. Is so, it through Tilt or what is your yeah, coaching? program? Yeah, it's through uh, Tilt Properties. So if they just went to my website, www.tiltgroup.ca. Um, there's uh, on the tabs up top. There's a there's an education which is our coaching program. Uh, it's an eight month program. Uh, I got two different two different programs. I got a, what we call an elite program, which is more of a uh, hand holding one on one, more money. Uh, and then I got a, a group uh, program, which is uh, ten to twelve students, couples. And it's what I'm doing is I'm creating a community. Are you insistent on couples, by the way? No, no. Uh, if there is a couple, I want them both. Yeah. But it, there's singles. I got lots of single yeah, dudes yeah, yeah. and single women that come yeah. in and do it. Uh, it's not a dating thing at all. It's just, <laughs> just so clear. But there's singles for sure. But if there's a couple, I don't want the husband just to come or the one, the wife just right. to come. They yeah, have yeah. to come as a couple because it. It, it, we're so we're such a big promoter on building the business together. Um, so there's, there's the, yeah, we're, we're big on the coaching stuff, but all that stuff's on my website. Okay. Well, I'll have the team put that in the show notes. Jared Ope, thank you very, very much. Look forward to working with you in the future. We've got lots, uh, yeah, gonna, lots to come. It's going to be fun, man. Thanks. Okay, pal. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. 
If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.